media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you're seated, you can open your Bibles back to Proverbs 18.21, but I promise you we will be running all over the place today. One thing about Proverbs is we have to understand, and we kind of tried to cover this a little bit last week, is even if you are not coming from a biblical, you know, spiritual perspective, Proverbs would still lead to a wisdom of how to do life. Years ago, when I was uh, finishing out my my uh, undergraduate degree in, in marketing and management, and uh, uh, it was back in in the early, early, early 80s. And about that time, Harvard Business School came out with a new business ethics. And well, you know, I'm in my senior year. This is going to be on the test. So I'm listening and I'm participating. And, and being a Christian, I'm going, okay, I want to know what Harvard has to say about new business ethics that they've kind of discovered and compiled. And I looked at the list that we were giving there and uh, every one of those, none of, there was no scripture on there. It didn't say Proverbs 18, 21 or anything like that. But every one of those ethical things of how to do business, how to do life, were straight out of the Bible. And yet they thought that they were new. I've known a man before that said, you know, he does not believe in God. He does not have a personal relationship with God. Uh, but he's a business owner and he wanted to run his business through biblical principles. It's kind of the disconnect for me. Okay, if, if you believe to run your business that way, why don't you run your life that way, you know? Connect with this God. But he did that, and he's got a super business. Folks, Proverbs shows us wise living. But as we said last week, this isn't just the, uh, a foundation for us to say, okay, we want to make really wise and smart decisions. Now, we began to see last week that in Proverbs, it is tra- trying to, to give us a way that we can live out this life that God has given us. And for the redeemed, that is for the Christian, for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, it is a way for us to live spiritually under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's practical. And yet it goes down to, as we said, you can't separate it from all these uh, verses from a morality, a call to holiness or, or wickedness. I mean, it really is that kind of division. It's not this gray center. It's kind of, you know, very much, uh, even as we saw last week in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love will eat of its fruit. And, and last week we said, you know, I want you to go this week for your activity, for your kind of application. I want you to place all the words that you speak this week into one of these two, two folders. Now, we're actually going to add a third folder this week, Okay. Because I'm sure that some of you are going, hey, the Bible says something about silence that is sometimes wise just to be silent. And so we're going to add a third folder from the Word, not because we chose it, but because the Word of God says it. But I asked you to do that because I wanted you to see that, folks, this is the declaration that God has made. He didn't say, well, you know, don't say these words because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. No, he says, you get to speak life up. I feel like that cheerleader now that was holding the sign upside down. Okay. Some of you (laughs) had this strange look on your face, and I just now was able to read that. Last week, we talked about life 
and death, okay? And how these words, there, there's not this gray middle, okay? So now we're, we're caught up and you're already a little bit ahead of me that we're going to introduce one more. I will never use props again. Stick with the word. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. As we understand this call upon our life, again, there is practicality in that. There's wise living in that. But there's a call of God of how the Christian lives out our life in obedience to this. Because God called us out of darkness into life. This call that I mention almost every week, I hope I mention every week, you know, we're, we're called from something, guys, but we are called to something. By the grace of God and by the call of God, we are called out of darkness, but we are called into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter said. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, the grace and the mercy of God. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may do what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That we might do what? That we might proclaim. That word in the Greek means to publish. It means to show forth. And one of the ways that we show forth is what we say and the words that we use. Christ said that what we have in our hearts, we're going to publish. Remember we looked at that verse? That out of the abundance of the heart comes our words. And so we're going to publish something. There's a life story that will be told about us and our actions and our beliefs and, and our character and all those different things. And the word of God says, now that God has chosen you, now that we are now in Christ, That we are called out of dark living and we are called into the light. We are called into a call to holiness. And our words are one of the ways that we show this forth. So last week we looked at how our words are a, a gift from God. We're the only part of earthly creation that get to use words. Other animals, other parts of God's creation can communicate. Two wells can communicate, and they do that by all kinds of different sounds. But we're the only ones that can really show deep emotion and communicate on the level of the heart. And it's a gift that God has entrusted to us, and along with that gift comes responsibility. Our words have a moral nature. They have a, a powerful nature. I mean, words that can give life, words that can bring death. That's power, folks. And they have a revealing nature. Again, what Christ said, hey, the abundance of a man's heart, what's really in his heart of hearts, who he really is, is going to come out through our verbiage and through our words. And the challenge that last week that we saw in our primary relationship is to speak words of life. Start in the home. If you're married and you have a spouse that you speak words of life in the spouse, that's the primary earthly relationship for those who are married that we see in Scripture. And so for me, since I'm married, uh, my my primary, the, the top place I need to be speaking words of life is to my wife. We have two daughters. They are grown. They have children of their own. That would be that next level as I understand how God has placed things. And so I speak life into them, and that's the challenge there. And then we go on and we begin to see, yes, the people around us, church people. The Bible says repeatedly in the New Testament, encourage one another as you have opportunity. 
And so we see that this is a call upon our life. And this calling, it's not just because we want to be moral people, but because it's a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible doesn't just say that our words are important because it's wise. It's reflected in how we live our life on the foundation of what we live our life based on. You easily could base your life on morality and just trying to be the right, do the right thing, say the right thing. Uh, folks, this goes beyond that. It's because I'm in Christ. It's because I am a Christian and I put my faith in Trust in the work of Christ that now that compels me to this call to live out the 150 plus verses that we find in Proverbs that talk about the tongue. One out of every six verses in Proverbs concerns our speech. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you would think that in wise living there'd be all kinds of applications. One in six verses somehow deal with the way that we communicate one to another, the words that we say. I would challenge, and I begin this challenge next week, I'll continue next week, that our words, if we look at what James wrote, Paul wrote, Peter wrote, really God's word says that our words reveal our maturity in Jesus Christ. I promise you, a person who is mature in their walk, their sanctification or you can use words more carefully than somebody who, who is not worried about that, is not mature in Christ. And so this morning we take all of that and we begin to, to look at how our words are so reflective of who we are in Christ Jesus. For, for those that are Christians, it reveals, are we dying to self? Have you ever wanted to say something to somebody and it's almost like you just had to blurt it out? And it wasn't helpful. It could have been very hurtful. It was reactive to the situation that you were in. And so it is a part of maturity of Christ. If I died to self, could I just let it roll off my back? Yeah. And yet because there's this flesh that still dwells, there's this flesh that wants to say, hey, you're not allowed to say that to me or I'm going to say this back to you. You hurt my feelings, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I mean, can you identify with that? that this is a mark of maturity. It's also a mark if we're being controlled by the Spirit. Remember when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit? And it goes through this list in Galatians about the fruit. This is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is controlling your life, is living through you. Peace and joy and love. This is a mark of maturity. We don't do it so that we can get good marks. No, it's just, are we surrendering to Christ? And our, our words do reveal if we're grasping this call in our lives. Last week we looked at a couple verses that talk about this call of the redeemed. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now we have association because who we are in Christ. And so it measures our speech. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 
So even though we're going to be traveling through Proverbs this morning, we're going to see all these different verses about what are words of life and what are words of death, but we begin to see words in the New Testament that reflect this mindset. For example, Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Verse after verse, Old Testament Proverbs, New Testament. That this little member that God has given us, this gift of speech that God, that we are to use that. And that the very uh, purpose is to give hope and show the grace. I, I would take it even a step further. Is it possible to be polite and nice and miss the whole purpose of the tongue for the Christian? Yeah. The Bible says it this way, that we've been called to a ministry of reconciliation. Can, can we put Second Corinthians up there? Guys, this is the call. If you are here this morning and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is, you're a Christian, not by your good works, but because of his total work, if you truly reflect what we just sang in that last song, that he is our living hope, then this is the call upon our lives. Not to be polite and say nice things and refrain from saying bad things. It includes that, but here's the purpose. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? Are we the reconcilers? No. But what have we been given? What have we been called to? The ministry of reconciliation. Look at the next verse. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to who? To us. He's talking to Christians. The message of reconciliation. So you are called, if you're a Christian this morning, you're called a minister of reconciliation and you are given what your speech should be, the message of reconciliation. High call? Super high call. And that's why it's life in Christ and it's life through the Spirit and through His Word is how we live this out, folks. I've mentioned it three or four times last week, probably already twice this morning, but I just want to make such a clear declaration. This is not you just being polite. That when God has redeemed you and changed you and given you life from death, then he's given you a call. And this call is to put forth this gospel message, this message of reconciliation to the world. But pastor, you, you don't mean that the way that I talk to my spouse or my kids reflects the deep theological truths of how Christ reconciled the world through his life, death, and resurrection. No, I mean exactly that, guys. A thousand times I mean that. That if God hasn't changed my life because he changed my whole foundation, he had taken out my heart of stone and given me a heart of flesh, and I don't treat my wife in a, in a way that is different... James, in his writing, said, if you have a religion like that, you, you don't have really a, a religion. If Jesus said that our words reflect our heart, then I don't need a new dictionary. I don't need a, a guide to manners. I don't need a new thesaurus. I need a new heart, guys. 
If God has given me a new heart, then it needs to start beating and reflecting Christ's likeness. And one of the ways that it does that is through our speech. Men, do you think you can love your wife if Christ loved the church just because you learned some new smooth lines? I mean, we could have a class. Hey, five things to, to kind of say to your wife to make her feel really good. And they're, they're really, in one way, if it was authentic and true, there wouldn't be harm in that. I need to tell my wife every day that I love her. But that's not what this is about. This isn't being polite and starting that politeness even in that spousal relationship. No, if I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church, it truly needs to be a death of self. It needs to be reflected in my speech. Because God somehow has entrusted into me a message of reconciliation even within my own home, even within my own marriage. Does that make sense? Now having said that, I don't want to soften what God's word says about words of life and words of death. If they weren't important and, uh, and purposeful, then they wouldn't be in his word. Simple truth is the book of Proverbs speaks much of what we should and should not uh, have as a part of our speech. In our culture, I'm going to include writing because a lot of our speech nowadays is through social media. And I think that that needs to be governed by these same truths. So with that in mind, let me give you three. Uh, we could preach for about five hours today and not even touch the top of, remember, 150 verses just on the, on the tongue. Power of speech. I, I'm going to try to break it down to three Things that we can put into application this morning. How many of you like three things of application rather than 150 things of application? Okay. Thank you. you you're with me. Okay. So here's the three things. And, and we're going we're to see this morning. I, I, I pray uh, through uh, the word and through Proverbs, through this wise teaching, how to apply this. Number one. Just because you're thinking it doesn't mean you have to say it. And I could stop right there, couldn't I? And speak for the next three hours. Remember last week we had two folders? Death and life. And I do want to add a third one because the Bible speaks that there are times of silence. Remember the second chapter of the book of Grandma? Where it says, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Remember we talked about that last week? Grandma had a lot of wisdom, okay? So that's true and it's reflected here. But the word of God, Proverbs reflects us. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight: Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Amen? Okay, so let me ask you now, let me ask you, is that practically wise? Is it socially beneficial? Is it deeply spiritual and reflective of our life in Christ? Because remember what we just said a couple minutes ago? You're hit in that heated conversation. Maybe with even somebody as close as your own spouse, and you're in that heated conversation, a family member, a friend, 
and they say something and it hurts you. And it hurts you deeply. And so a thought comes to your mind to defend yourself or to, to go back and, you know, have you ever said, well, you know, you're not so perfect yourself. Have you ever, you know, not just thought that, but said that? The minute, <laughs> the minute we say that, folks, that's not the death of self. That's not dying to self. But we said last week, and and please, burn this in your mind. This is not just a call to be silent, but to discretion. That's what James tells us. He says, okay, be quick to listen, and what? Slow to speak. He doesn't say never say anything. No, we are called to give words of life. But he uses discretion. And that discretion means that sometimes the best thing that we can say is at that moment, what? Nothing. <laughs> in our small group the other night, we were talking about, can you say the right thing in the wrong way at the wrong time? And everybody immediately said, yes. Silence sometimes is golden. What a strange world that we live in today. Or suddenly everybody believes that the rest of the world is so interested in my thoughts about things. That we feel compelled that we need to challenge that post on Facebook. That we need to challenge and, and have a rebuttal for that person who spoke to this on this other format. Or that we may be the instigators of that. Folks, we have convictions, we have persuasions, we have politics, we have our favorite sports teams, we have all things that we have passion about. And yet there are times that the best thing that we can say, the most godly thing that we can do in that moment is simply to be silent. Now having said that, let me go to the second one. What we began to look at last week, there are words that are corrupt and bring death. Notice that I didn't say there's words that, you know, hurt people's feelings or, you know, are not nice. No, they're corrupt. The Bible says that they're folly. Remember what folly usually stands for in, in, in Proverbs? Wickedness. I mean, I, when was the last time that you heard the word? I'm not trying to be graphic here. I'm not trying to be crude. But when was the last time that you heard the word fornication? Probably a long time ago. Because our culture has taken the things of God and, and tried to kind of make them really soft. Instead of calling sin, sin, well, I made a mistake. It was more than a mistake. It, it was a sin. And I'm not trying to be the word police, and I'm certainly not trying to be this overbearing person. I'm just saying, guys, when the Bible says that something is wicked, when the Bible says something is corrupt, let's not water it down. Let's understand that even these words are spoken in love to us from a God that says, this is not good. Things like lies. Proverbs 4.24 Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Crooked speech. Uh, another word there for lying. But it seems like it's going this way, but it's actually then heads off to another direction. The Bible 
tells us in Proverbs, Proverbs 20:17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. One of the things I like about Proverbs is that it paints word pictures. Have you ever felt that way? That you knew you lied and it got you out of a situation? You know, maybe you lied to your parents, maybe you lied to your spouse, maybe you lied to somebody else and you told, and, and so, whew, I got out of that one. But later your mouth was like full of gravel. That's what the scripture's telling us there. What are other words that, that are corrupt and bring death? Gossip. Proverbs 8. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. Have you ever wondered why we're so attractive to gossip? Have you ever really diagnosed that? It's because it's a a matter of intimacy. And if we feel like we're part of this inside group and we know the secret... There's a power in that? There's an intimacy in that? That's a gossip. Gossip of any form. Well, I only said it because it was true. No, gossip is just, even if it's truth, if we're passing on something that we should not be a part of, guys, God says that's corrupt, it's wicked, and it brings death. Words of false flattery. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. That is the best cake I've ever had. And yet it really wasn't that great and you didn't even finish the slice that she gave you. Next Monday she brings you a whole cake. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're just trying to be nice. And here in the South, well, we, we kind of prize niceness and politeness and, and those kind of things. The Bible says false flattery. That does not to mean to say that I can't say words of encouragement or, or flattery to my wife, but not on a false basis. If my wife said to me, you are the best looking man ever. Number one, I know that that is very false and that flattery. I appreciate her heart if she wanted to say that. And yet I'm going, but that doesn't make me feel better because I know it's not true. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you. And that's when I'd come to this next verse. A lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. (laughs) Verse after verse after verse. You see how God is is telling all these things. Why? Because he has this list here and a list here and now he just wants us to live morally. Yes, we are moral creatures and there's righteousness and there's wickedness. But folks, this is what's in our heart. And out of a man's heart comes the abundance of his words. And when we really begin to see that when it's not just flattery and it's not just gossip. But what about words of anger? Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Remember when we were talking about that in life group last week? I said, man, what an active word. Like a, th- I mean, you could almost hear the piercing of a sword. He didn't say, you know, 
Words, rash words, angry words are just hurtful words. No, he says it's like a, it's like a sword thrust. But now look at the contrast. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Here's another word picture from Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Starts with this and it spreads, kind of like what James, James said, in a whole forest fire because of these words. And it grew and it grew and it grew. Now, why does God want me to stay away from these words? This is Old Testament. I live in the New Testament. I now have a life in Christ. Why does he want me to live in knowledge of these? So I can be a polite Christian? So I can be a nice Christian? No, so that I can reflect Christ in my life. These are words that make things die. Relationships die. Marriages die. Families die. He wants to bring life. They don't reflect the message of reconciliation. Could you, could you put any of those things, gossip, lying, slander? I, I didn't even get to those. Again, we'd be here for a long time if we started trying to get all 150 verses. Do those match up with this call to be ministers of reconciliation, sharing the message of reconciliation? But Proverbs also talks about that there are life-giving words. There's words that bring hope. Proverbs 12, 19, when we speak truth. Listen to what it says. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. In other words, truth has this ability to live long. That's not saying that a lie doesn't, has a short shelf life. It means that truth is life-giving over and over and again. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now let's just put that to the test, okay? Let's just do a life test. How many of you, somewhere in your life, somebody has spoken truth to you, it wounded you in the moment, and yet days later, weeks later, months later, maybe even it had to be years later, you saw that it was life. How many of you have experienced that in your life? See, this is the hope of the gospel. He's going to say, man, when you speak truth, well, we're going to look more into this next week. How do we speak truth in love? It doesn't mean that the minute that I hear Carly speak truth in my life, that I go, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, man, how gracious of you. No. Bobby's immediate reaction is one of defense, one of pride. Are that proverbial what we said before? Well, you're not so perfect yourself. Wounds from a friend, they give life. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Have you ever been there? What about words of grace? Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Wow, I'm hungry now. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. Not flattery. Not telling somebody what they want to hear. 
But earnest counsel, it's an oil, it's a salve, it's a perfume. Are you seeing the flow here? Also, to go back to this whole thing. You know, he said that a man, a woman, a person who uses a few words, that that's wise, <laughs> that a lot of words gives them trouble. Well, look at it from another angle, this silence or just few words. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It's wise. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears... It is his folly and shame. Again, James, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Wise? Yes. Would we be wiser people if we took all these applications and we applied them to our life, whether we were a Christian or not, would we be wiser in the way that we lived in other relationships? Yes. Would it be socially prudent if all of our writings on social media and all of our speech, both within the house but also in community, would apply these truths? Yes. But I want you to see foundationally, if we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, with the message of reconciliation, these other words, these things that don't bring life, they're in conflict to the call. These things that bring life, they coordinate with the call. It's a spiritual matter. It's not just a social matter. It's not just a manners thing. It's not just a, a moral thing. It is all of that. And yet if I'm going to live out the Christ life, the calling that is placed upon me, more and more and more, I need to be under the control of God's very spirit that he's placed within me so that I can purposely speak words of life. And I can purposely stay away from words, thoughts, and all those things that would not bring life, but bring death and hurt. I'm going to end with this. Because it pretty, we, we saw it last week, we saw it already once this morning. But it pretty much, if you say, okay, where, where's this one verse? If we, if we didn't get all 27 verses this morning, we just had one verse to kind of guide us into next week. I think Ephesians 4.29 pretty much does that. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Good steps forward for the next week. Even if we were looking just on the level of politeness, that would be good instruction. Even if we were just looking, how do we get along with one another? How do I make friends at work or at school? That would be good. But in the call of Christ, this takes us, folks, into a place where purposely more and more we say death to self. Holy Spirit, control my life. Give me words of grace. Let me look upon my, my spouse. And as I exchange words there, that I would speak words that good for building up. As fits the occasion. Again, not false flattery. Not you to man. But truly reflect the grace by which we live. That they may give grace, a reflection of what God has done in our lives to those who hear. Our, our, our children, 
are in a season of life where they have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Welcome to parenthood. And our FaceTime meetings uh, go anywhere from, oh, what you do at school today, and this, that, and the other, into don't hit your brother. Don't say that to your mama. (laughs) And one of the things that we try to encourage them with is, uh, I mean, just Carly had that conversation with one of our daughters last night. Hey, this is just a season in life. You know, two and four, man, they're, they're just all boy and all over. But if we don't put words of grace in their lives, if, if we don't show them the hope of the gospel, if we don't begin even on a two-year-old or four-year-old level, we need to start implanting that into our our lives even then because how many of y'all have been there and you love Jesus and yet you have said things to your children as a two-year-old and a four-year-old that you're going, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. It happens, guys. We're in need of God's grace 24-7. I needed his saving grace and now I need his sustaining grace. And if I'm going to be a minister of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation that is teaching him there is hope for a lost person in Jesus Christ, then it comes down to even the practical things that I would do in the kitchen, in the bedroom, and the things that I would say on the playground. That's how desperately we need Christ in our lives. If we're going to do this not out of politeness, if we're going to do this as an instruction of creating a, a thirst for the gospel, and the hope of the gospel that we have found in Jesus Christ. It starts right there, husband and wife. It starts right there, children. It starts right there in our family, brothers and sisters. It starts right there that we put into practice. God, will you help me to die to self today? Because I want to say this, because my feelings are hurt. And yet, God, will you remind me that on the cross, in, in front of Pilate, And on other occasions, when Jesus could have said, do you know who I am? That he remained silent. To serve us, to die for us, so that we might have life. Wow, what a hard discipline. What a hard call this is. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why I need the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to help me to do this. If not, the most human, natural reactions are going to come out, both in verbiage and when somebody talks about my Atlanta Braves. You've, especially if it's a Philly fan, you know. Start at home, guys. Start this week at home. Words of encouragement. Not just nice words, words that are spiritually based in the grace that we have been given and share them with your spouse and with your family. Let's pray. Father God, I don't know how to communicate, Father, 
that these are polite things, and we are to be polite people. But, Father, the practical nature of this is not really what you want us to do, just to be nicer people. Father, you want us to be changed people because you took out the heart of stone and you put in a heart of flesh. The old things are passed away, and all that we're in brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So, Father, will you help us now that your very spirit would live within every believer that has put their trust and faith in the finished work of Christ. Father, will you show us now, Father, not only do we have a call that is big and large and and seemingly heavy, but now we have one that enables us to reflect this, your very spirit. God, if we dreamed up some kind of religion or some kind of thing, we would have never dreamed up that you, holy God, would come into our hearts and our lives and dwell there to empower us to holy living. But Father, will you take that miracle? Will you take that truth? And Father, would you allow it to guide us, empower us, mold us and shape us this week in the way that we would speak, first and foremost, in the four walls of our home. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we need you, Father. As we pray all this in the hope that is Jesus Christ, our living hope, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.